Today's scripture reading is taken from the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verses 10 to 18. The book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 10 to 18. Joshua, chapter 1, verse 10. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. For within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said to them, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over, armed before your brothers, and shall help them. Until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you, and they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan towards the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go, just as Moses just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your word, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. This is the word of the Lord. Before we pray, just want to let everyone know, Pastor Darren didn't run away. Uh, it's his daughter's convocation today, so he's on leave. That's why he's not here. Um, but he sends his greetings. He'll be around tomorrow. Let's come together to God in prayer. God, we thank you for what you've spoken to us through church camp, through all that you're doing. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst right now. And Lord, even as we look into the life of Joshua, even as we look at its relevance in the season that you are calling us to, we pray that you speak into our hearts, let us let go and run forward with you. Allow us right where we are, to receive your call on our life, to accept your call, and to make the changes that are necessary that we may press on towards what is ahead, towards where you are calling us to. Indeed, Lord, teach us to be a people that trusts and obeys you above all. Lord, speak to us today through your word. Speak to us. It's all that we ask for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know when an American president takes power, anyone a political drama nerd, like I will watch any, almost any and every political drama that's out there, Madam Secretary, La, Scandal, House of Cards, anybody like me? No? So sad. Okay. Yes, yes, I got a friend. Okay, when an American president takes charge, the media likes to focus on the president's first 100 days. And the trend can be traced all the way back to Franklin Roosevelt because he took control during the Great Depression and he passed 76 laws in 100 days. 
76 laws in 100 days to bring about sweeping economic reform to bring them through the Great Depression. And ever since then, presidents have been measured by the ambition and the effectiveness that they demonstrate in their first 100 days in office. In fact, if you do a Google search, there's a whole chart ranking presidents by the number of laws they successfully passed in their first 100 days. And so for all the excitement of the presidential campaign, when they go through the election and on election night when results are out, they get really excited that they are now the new president. Then suddenly, it gets real. When they have assumed power, everyone's eyes shoot straight on them and wonder, now that you're in power, what are you going to do? And we can imagine that's a little like what Joshua felt like when he took commission from the Lord to take over from Moses. And unlike, and in a situation that is even more dramatic than these presidents who are, who are at least around and alive, other than when they got assassinated, Joshua's story begins with a leader who is well-respected and he takes over and the book begins, Moses, my servant, is dead. There's a finality to that. There's no one, no human person that he can count on, right? That as, as this life ends, there's no turning back. And Joshua stands there as the one chosen to replace him. And we can imagine, as we heard last week, that as he stands in that place, he would have been daunted by the task at hand. But yet, what does the Lord tell him? Be strong and courageous. But we do get this sense that Joshua is a little intimidated by the job at hand because the Lord also says, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed. And so there's at least implicit acknowledgement that Joshua was feeling those emotions or else there would be no need for the Lord to address them. But in heeding the word of the Lord, in remembering the Lord's call, in remembering His presence, His power and His promises and His word, Joshua moved from I can't to I can and so in this week's passage, we're going to see how Joshua takes commission. We're going to see how Joshua takes control of the Israelites. And their task ahead was simple enough. Cross the Jordan. And it would seem simple enough for two reasons. One, although this was a new generation, they were descendants of the generation that had already crossed the Red Sea. So they, would, they should be able, at least at some level, to say, okay, we did that before. Yes, this is a river to cross, but at least I see something similar in the past. Right? But the Israelites still hesitated. The Israelites still hesitated. Why? Because one, that river that is in front of them remains a river to be crossed. It wasn't like they had a bridge they still had water to cross over. And two, when we get to chapter three, we're actually, oh, sorry, and two, the previous generation also remembered that beyond the Jordan, there were giants to be taken care of. That in the promised land, there were giants that they had to face. And this echoes so much of what Bishop Raphael spoke to us at church camp about, where the experience of miracles, the experience of what has come before, are not just simple um, passes that we can run through to whatever we have in the future, but the experience of miracles are preparing us for the greater struggle that is ahead. This is a nation that had experienced the Red Sea. They could see the faith in that.
that gave to them that can see them across the river, but that faith wasn't simply meant to be a rinse and repeat so that they could cross another river, but they were supposed to anchor themselves in that same God to take care of the giants that were to come. That we remember that miracles set us up for a greater struggle. But as we remember what has come before, it is the faithfulness of God that we can hang on to as we face the giants ahead. And so perhaps for us during camp, for those of us who are there, even if we are not there, as in our own walks with God, as we have heard and experienced breakthroughs, as we have received direction, our journey doesn't end there. That there is a greater promised land that lies ahead. But it requires greater submission to God, greater surrender to God, and it requires us, as the sermon is titled, to trust and obey. And so we're going to approach that as the twin context of how we're going to look at what the Lord is speaking to us through this passage. One, looking at the Israelites' journey, looking at how God respond, uh, Joshua responded and how Joshua led them into the promised land, and layering onto that the season that we find ourselves in as a church. And so there are four Ps that we're going to see in the text as Joshua took command. The first, to prepare. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. Notice how Joshua moved first. He moved towards the officers of the people, in other words, the commanders, the ones who were in charge, the ones who had been given leadership over the people with Joshua as the key leader. And Joshua here didn't pass a suggestion. He didn't pass an instruction. The word was stronger. The word was command. And the preparation was a command. It wasn't a choice. It wasn't a, it is a good idea. It was a command. And not only was it a command, it was actually a necessity. That even though the time to cross the Jordan was not immediate, the time of preparation was needed. In other words, we can see this time of waiting, this time of anticipation for the time that is to come to break through, to cross into the promised land, as to be a necessary period. This is not a time that is going to waste. This is a time that God is giving us to prepare for what is to come. How many of us would like to take one, one year off work? Raise hand. Don't want to work for one year. If we really wanted to do that, we would need to prepare, right? Now, I don't think any of us here, most of us, maybe 90% of us here, can straight away be like, tomorrow I quit my job, I don't work for one year, I will be perfectly fine. Anybody like that, uh, please increase your tithing. Just kidding. <laughs> right? If there is a promised land, there is something that we desire, something that is to come, there are actions that we need to take to prepare to take that step. Right? Like, like, we all dream of taking one year off work, but that requires planning and preparation. But furthermore, furthermore, this time of preparation, we also need to recognize that it is an act of faith. Because the willingness to prepare is a sign that we know that we believe the day is coming. If we don't believe the day is coming, don't need to prepare. Lah. 
right? If, if we didn't believe God was preparing us for a harvest, for example, there would be no need for us to be training more leaders, right? That's what we're going to be doing in 516 and for the rest of this year, we're going to be starting this new group to train up leaders because we see what is to come. We have no guarantee that the floodgates are going to come in, but we are preparing for what God may bring. In, in the words of Jenna, right, if we present, uh, if we believe that the floodgate is coming and the floods are going to be open, we need to make sure that our river banks are cleared and able to take the water. In the same way, this time of preparation is an act of faith. That if we truly believe that there is something greater to come, it should overflow into our actions. And there are two things to think about here. Or rather, before that, sorry. Let's also recognize that when Joshua asked them to prepare, it wasn't just any random preparation. It was quite specific. The text says, prepare your provisions. In other words, prepare your necessities for the journey. In fact, the Hebrew language that is used there is very often the word used for food. It was prepare food for the journey to come. Not just to feed people like Michael and me, okay? But it was prepare food for the journey to come. Because remember that while they are crossing into the Jordan, they are crossing over the Jordan River and into the Promised Land, they are walking into the wilderness. And preparation for the wilderness is a necessity. So think about two things here. What if the preparation was not done right? They'll be struggling on the road. eh? That journey towards the promised land, yes, you're going to a brilliant place, but there is a road. And if the preparation isn't done right, that road will be a struggle. And two, let's think about what this preparation means to us. What this preparation or what these provisions mean us. Let me suggest two things. Spiritual food, devotions, cell groups, community, spending time with the Lord, and our families. And our families. That we have a responsibility to ensure that our home fronts are stable, that we can be released to what the Lord is calling us to. We get that idea from the place in the text where they talk about the, 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 three, the two and a half tribes, right? the two and a half tribes of the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. A little bit of background, these two and a half tribes had agreed with Moses. They liked the land that they were looking at before they crossed the Jordan. And they looked at Moses before in history, and they said, Moses, we want to stay here. Moses said, okay, on the condition that when you cross, when Israel crosses, your able fighting men go with them and possess the land. A little bit more on that later, but we're going to refer to these people so that I don't need to keep saying Reubenite, Gedite, half-tribe of Manasseh, as Transjordanian tribes, the tribes that were before they crossed the Jordan. And we see the idea in that, that they had to be prepared to let the fighting men go and conquer the land. And because they knew that, the implication in that is part of their preparation was ensuring their families were ready for that time to come. And also we think about this. Joshua said, 
for in, within three days, you have to pass over this Jordan. The idea of three days wasn't an instruction from God in the sense that it was not directly recorded that God said in three days you will pass, but it seems to be a reflection of Joshua's sense that the time was coming but it, and it wasn't too far away. And as David Firth states in the Bible Speaks Today commentary, not knowing God's timetable is no reason for being unprepared. So what does this mean for us? One, to borrow Bishop Raphael's vocabulary from church camp, a renewed sensibility to our spiritual needs. Sorry, that should read taking our spiritual journey seriously, but okay, serious works. A renewed sensibility to our spiritual needs. That part of our preparation needs to be to rediscover and remember the greatness of God in our lives. To remember and to allow His changing work to be done in us. And that's why we sense to have that, that need to have that springboard session that Pastor Mabel spoke about earlier. But we want to talk about letting God work through us, embracing our weaknesses and looking to the cross as our key strength. In the weeks ahead, we'll get joy to share a little bit more. But we want to look for how embracing weakness leads to genuine strength, looking to the example of Christ and letting Him lead us. That that is our greatest spiritual need. And two, a renewed purpose with our families. Where as much as the Transjordanian tribes had to be prepared to release the able fighting men, and that meant the possibility of dying, by the way, the implication of preparation, as mentioned earlier, meant that they had to play their part to ensure that their families were ready. This isn't ministry over family or family over ministry, but rather, you all know how a guitar string works? You all know, know guitar got string, right? Okay. So, for a guitar string to play the correct sound, two things need to happen. There needs to be a bridge pin in the front that hooks the string in, and then you wind the tension on the other side of the guitar. Correct? If you put the bridge pin alone and you don't wind the tension, the string just flies like that and makes no sound. You wind the tension alone and put no bridge pin, your guitar string also makes no sound. And if that makes sense, Let's think about that as an analogy for what it means to have ministry and family, that it's not one over the other, but that God has a purpose and allows us to be in both places, both as ministries, if you like, and that it is when both are holding the right tension and playing the right role that the symphony of our lives, that the notes of our lives plays into the symphony of God's mission. Notice that it's not saying that we spend the whole, that, we, that, that the, the, the right note is only played, not when we spend our whole lives trying to stick the bridge pin in, or spend our whole lives trying to wind tension, but that both play an important role that we can be prepared to play the role that God wants us to play. That's what it means to prepare. The next, to push off. For within three days, you are to pass over this Jordan. To cross the Jordan, quite a dull thing. Lah. But it required them to leave. And sometimes you may read that and get caught up in the idea of, okay, cross the Jordan. But we need to remember that we are all 
that when we are exposed to something for so long, or when there are norms in our life, we become creatures of habit. Perfect example. This is called the ghost of 516. They're not here, like, why is no one sitting here? <laughs> right? When we are used to something for so long, we get comfortable. And they spend 40 years as much as they may be in the wilderness, but they spent 40 years and there were so habits were created, they were in a comfort zone, there was a way of life that they were used to. But until they were willing to leave, they couldn't take possession of the promised land. They couldn't take possession of the promised land until they left what they have. And of course, because our God is a brilliant God who is sovereign, He must make this very real for me in the past two weeks. So fun fact, Joy and I are going to be shifting house really soon. <laughs> um, and we, I, I, we won't tell you all where we are staying yet. Lah, okay, you can ask us where we are going to stay. Later, you already can't find us every day. And that is very possible once you find out where we are staying. Um, <laughs> But basically, she, she's taking up a new job that she, as she finishes her master's in counselling and this job comes with a space that we get to stay in. And it's exciting. It's exciting because we're going to get our own space. We get to explore and build. But at the same time, as, as all of it was getting arranged, right, it was, half of me is excited. It's like, yes, is, uh, we can go and live and we can have our own space. And the other half of me is like, wait a minute. I'm leaving the, I'm leaving the house that I've stayed in, in 20, for the last like 21 years of my life, eh. And so accompanied with that excitement is this very real sense of a change is coming. And while that change is exciting, it's also like when a baby comes into, okay, no, 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 that, that's not an announcement. It's also like when a baby comes into a family, right, you know that your life is never going to be the same again. Sorry, that's not an announcement. I can make it very clear. Huh? I'm just using that as an analogy only, okay? And, and, and as I brought those feelings to God, I was walking around one of Joyce's friend's condos when this was happening. They were having some meetings, so I was just walking around doing my devotion. And I was just processing these things with God, and I took this really long staircase down. And it, as it reached the landing, it opened to this, like, wide open space. And as I walked to the, to the edge of the staircase, okay, sorry, football nerd, I'm going to ask Alicia to help me show a photo. Suddenly, I felt like this. Like, like when a new head coach takes over control of his new football club and he stands in the middle of his stadium and looks around and he sees, yes, something needs to be built, but this is for them, for, okay, football coach for him, but in this case, it's for us to build. Right? And, and as God put that picture in my mind, it was suddenly overlaid with this picture of a land that has huge potential for harvest. And God was inviting us to take hold of it. And I could almost hear God say, I'm giving to you and you don't want. You scared what? <laughs> right? And then I think Joy could... Maybe Joy didn't know what was going on because I only told, only told her this a few days later. But that day I go home, I packed my bags already. <laughs> I packed my bags already. Even though, yeah, at that point in time, it wasn't confirmed. But I was like, yeah, we're ready. Let's go. But here's the point. It's impossible to possess the promised land until we push off 
from what we already know. It was impossible for the Israelites to step into the promised land that God was calling them to until they were willing to let go of whatever they knew for the past 40 years. And so for us, in the different seasons of our life, when we sense God calling us somewhere, we need to recognize that there is a leaving that needs to take place. There is a step of faith that needs to go forward and be willing to trust in the promise of God and take possession of what is ahead. Remember that final devotion on the final day of church camp? We talked about making the new stick. We talked about how if we really wanted something new, we need to be active in practicing the new. Like for example, if we are so used to washing dishes at home, then you buy a dishwasher. I don't know how many of you have experienced this before. You buy a dishwasher, but then you still wash dishes with your hand. Then you buy the dishwasher for what? I'm not, okay, I'm not saying the dishwasher washes perfectly, like, okay, but you get the analogy, right? If we want to embrace something new, we actually need to embrace it. We actually need to let go of that habit of washing dishes by hand so that the dishwasher can be of use. That it is impossible to possess the promised land until we push off from what we know. That brings us to our third P, to possess. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, your God, is giving you to possess. Mr. Alpha Nicky Gumbel told this story. His maternal grandparents lived in a small fishing village near Edinburgh in Scotland. They owned a house there. And in 1939, at the start of World War II, they rented out their home. When the war ended, they wanted to return home, but they were unable to, because the law at the time allowed those people to stay in the house for as long as they lived before they had to be kicked out. And so for 50 years, his grandparents were unable to get possession of their house. They were unable to get what they owned. And his uncle inherited the house from his grandparents, and by the time Nicky Gumbel's uncle got possession of the house, the condition of the house had deteriorated greatly, and he sold it for a very small sum. See, although Nicky Gumbel's family owned that house in Edinburgh, they never actually took possession of it. There is a big difference between ownership and possession. In some ways, because God had promised them the land, it was theirs. But Israel needed to stand up, get up, and possess it for themselves. They needed to stand up, get up, and take control of what God had promised them. And not only that, this is where we're going to talk about those Transjordanian tribes, those two and a half tribes. The Israelites were to take possession as one. The Israelites were to take possession as one. That as Joshua goes and as he speaks to them and as he tells them this, until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you, and they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them, dot, 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 then you shall return to the land of your possession and possess it. What Joshua is reminding them of here is that Israel is to be identified as one community. 
that even though the inherited place for those two and a half tribes may lie geographically away from the rest of them, they do not enter rest until Israel enters that rest as one. Until Israel enters that rest as one. In the words of Bible commentator John Goldingay, individual Israelite clans cannot behave as if the destiny of other clans is of no concern of theirs. Individual Christian congregations, denominations, and national churches cannot behave as if the destiny of other congregations or denominations or of the church in another nation is of no concern of theirs. And so to take possession, there are two things. One, we need to be ready to actually possess it. Action is required. We need to be ready to actually go and take it. That as in the past few years, we've heard the words of Isaiah 60 and the Rima word that Reverend Darren brought to us, the promise that God is giving. We see little sparks of what God is doing in our midst in things like church camp and the exciting work that's coming out at Bedok South in the youth ministry and the testimonies that you've heard the last few weeks. But I want to say God is not done yet. And as God opens doors and as God makes way, we need to be ready to take possession of it to be willing to put in the work to take control of what God wants to give. Like a legal inheritance that God has already signed, we actually need to bank in the check and take hold of what God has given. And we need to be identified as one. At one level, we need to be willing to have a kingdom focus to look at the kingdom of God and understand that we are all playing a beautiful part in a giant symphony. To have a willingness to collaborate with other partners, with other churches, with other congregations. I mean, that's what Parish of the Week is all about too. To recognize that we have that one goal in mind. As a church, it's time for us to embrace our friends in the Chinese congregation and the last two years, the fruit that the chaplaincy has borne has not been out of unhealthy competition or, of course, we spur each other on and we see the good that God is doing. But it's been born out of the spirit of collaboration. And, and it's beautiful how God has worked through that, that as we simply work with each other and focus, and our main focus is let's let these kids come and encounter Christ. It's beautiful how God does His work. It's a little joke that, that we have that last year in Alpha, a lot of the youths that joined us were from their character development classes. And then this year when we ran Alpha, a lot of the youths that joined them were all the youths that came to our Alpha. But hey, God is doing something, right? God is doing something and it doesn't matter at the end of the day, like whether they're English or Chinese congregation, because we just want to see people saved. And right here in our congregation, it means also looking beyond the silos of our ministries, right? Of course, we have a responsibility, a primary res responsibility to what we are called to. So for example, I may have a deeper responsibility to worship and youth. Pastor Mabel has a deeper responsibility towards cells and CE. But that doesn't mean that we just leave them alone, not care about each other and be like, ah, you do your thing, you do your thing, you do your thing, you do your thing, right? But we still continue to build that spirit of oneness, knowing, knowing that we are not at rest until we are all at rest together and have taken possession of the promised land. Final P. Sorry, I had to force this. I needed a fourth P. Empower. 
And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. By the way, in case you think that's a very ironic line, no, that's actually true. This is the new generation that actually obeyed Moses and Joshua, not the generation that died because they didn't. Okay. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. The tension in this text is beautiful. Because notice how it was not Joshua who coerced obedience out of the people. But rather there was this sense that the people recognised that Joshua was the one put there by God. And because Joshua was the one put there by God, they put their trust in him. Not in him per se, but in the fact that God had put him there. And that is implicit in the lines that tell them, only may the Lord your God be with you and only be strong and courageous. This is not Joshua, or rather the people telling Joshua this is conditional obedience, but rather it is them saying that they see Christ has put him there, they see God has put him there, and they're reminding him of the same thing that God had spoken to him that in as far as they see and they recognize that they, that Joshua was placed there by God, they would tell him, be strong and courageous, and they reminded him, be as the Lord has called you to be. That is the leader that we will follow. Why? Because their hope did not depend upon their leader, no matter how effective Joshua was. Their hope depended on God alone as they were obedient and committed to Him. So as we say, it's not seen as conditional obedience, but rather a reminder of the Lord's charge to Joshua, and, a re and it reflects the recognition that this leadership is God-given. And that last line, whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your word, whatever you command him shall be put to death, this seems very extreme. But notice how it originates from the Israelites. And as another Old Testament scholar says, this was a measure of how completely they were committing themselves to Joshua's leadership in the upcoming campaign. For us then, it can translate like this. That our trust and hope should be in the Lord, God, and Saviour Jesus Christ alone. And, it is, and that is then translated into recognising the one that He has placed in our midst as a leader for this season. And we partner with our leaders, empowering them to lead, not blindly, but by trusting their word and reminding them of the charge that God has given to them. And this reminder happens in the midst of a deep willingness to follow their leadership because we recognise that it is God-given to cross the Jordan and to possess the promised land that is ahead. And as we talk about all this simply as a church, let us also not forget that that is just one line in the tapestry of what God is doing through all of human history. Where ultimately as a church, our journey is towards the eternal promised land. Our journey doesn't end when All Saints English becomes the vibrant place that we all hope it will be one day. The most important part of our journey is a response to the cross 
and to say, God, I am committed to the journey that you are taking me on towards the eternal promised land. And our participation in God's plan for all saints English is an obedient response to the cross. It is an outworking of the faith and belief that we have in Him. That what we are doing in preparing and pushing off and possessing and empowering those that God has placed is in response to what Christ has done on the cross, an expression of our belief in Him. That this is the faith journey that He is calling us to. And this is how we are going to respond. This same passage was alluded to by the author of Hebrews. And he ends the section like this. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. It's not talking about salvation by works. It is talking about a faithful response like the Israelites to Joshua and to God that says we are in it for the journey. We're going to end with a song. I'm going to read us the lyrics of this song. It's a song that we used in 516 earlier this year as we are preparing for Alpha. And I think the lyrics... It's a new song for this congregation. We're just going to sing it over you guys as a band. But I'm going to read through these lyrics and let it be our prayer of response. When I look upon your face, when I gaze into your eyes, I remember what you've done and I say yes. When I think about the cross, I see your blood poured out. I remember what you've done and I say yes. When I look into your heart, I see the broken and the lost. I remember what you've done and I say yes. Yes to leaving everything behind. Yes to forsaking every want and right. Yes to living out the sum of your desires, I say yes. It's a song that speaks of a response to God and it climaxes in, this, in the bridge this way. It says, there is a cry that says, God, wherever you are calling, whatever you are calling us to, we are part of it. That it is my joy to share in your glory. It is my joy to share in your suffering. But no longer I who live, but Christ in me, I say yes. I want us to reflect on those lyrics and let that be a prayer as we sing it.